Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and today's very special edition of Half the Battle is brought to you by BestFightPicks.com. Go to BestFightPicks.com, type your email in that top right corner, and get the best fight picks and podcasts delivered to your inbox every single fight week. Joining me on this very special edition once again of Half the Battle is the MMA Genius. Welcome back, my man. And stepping up on short notice, the top master himself, Kyle Marley. Kyle, what's up, bro? Hey, not much, man. Thanks for having me back on. Of course, man. It's my pleasure. We got to talk about Anderson Silva versus Michael Bisbing. I mean, there's been a lot of talk. We've been waiting for this matchup for a while. But first up, we got to talk about Norman Park versus Rusam Habilov. And currently, we're looking at Norman Park as a minus 210 favorite with the comeback on Rustam Hab- excuse me, we're looking at Rustam Habilov as a minus 250 favorite with the comeback on Norman Park at plus 210. And, uh, Man, you know, Rusam Habilov, he's one of these Russians, man. You know, he likes to take you down to the ground. He likes to throw big bombs. He likes hard punch, like they like <laughs> to say over there. He likes to suplex you. But the thing is, he has been out a while. And, man, he was making his biggest career progressions when he was training with Greg Jackson. I don't think he's training there anymore. But at the same time, you can't discredit the training he's getting in in Dagestan because, I mean, all those guys are absolute monsters. And when you look at Norman Park, you know, he's done pretty well in the UFC. He can go out there. He can definitely win some clean decisions. It's just with him, it's always been a matter of, you know, sometimes it gets too close, and he's not always able to finish the fight. You know, he's only finished one or two of his UFC fights. But, you know, he has been in there with some good guys. He just makes it very close. So, for me personally, I'm not sure if I want to take that shot on the dog. But if someone is, I don't blame them because plus 210, you know, Habilov hasn't quite lived up to the potential. But at the same time, he's you can't count out one of those Russians. I mean, what do you think about this fight now? I mean, I completely agree with you. I mean, Norman Park is very good. He's good everywhere. He's not the best in any area, but he's good everywhere. He can fight and compete with anyone in the lightweight division for the most part. But he fights too close. If you're a betting man, it's I wouldn't shame you for uh, betting that at that price, but it, you're playing with fire. You're playing with judges. Um, I think Ruslan's better everywhere. But he has a tendency to slow down in rounds, whereas Park gets better in rounds. I think he's more explosive, and I just think he's going to land the more devastating shots to win a decision. What do you think about this, uh, Talmaster? Uh, I agree. Uh, I'm going to take the Russian in this one. Uh, I think the line's pretty right, actually. It's about where I would have lined it, I think. I think uh, Norman Park's strengths play into the Russian's advantages, so... Uh, if he's pushing him against the cage, I think he's going to take a mean slam to the ground, and then that's just the Russian's ball game right there. So I don't know if he's going to finish him. It's probably going to be a decision, 29-28, maybe 30-27 type of decision, but going with the Russian in this one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting too because Norman Park does have a judo background, so we're going to have to see if maybe he can stifle the takedowns to keep it standing. You know, Interestingly enough, Adriano Martins took down uh, Rustam Habilov a couple times in their fight, you know, that was a split. I actually thought that it was pretty clear for Adriana, but, you know, like the MMA genius was talking about with these judges, you know, it's 50-50, man. Like, the other day, you know, we won on Ashley Evans-Smith, which was clearly, you know, she clearly lost. But then a couple months back, the one we always talk about, Valmir Lazaro versus Michelle Prezeris, we clearly won that and we lost it. So it, it, when it comes to these 50-50 fights, I personally like to pass. Now, uh, well, that's bullshit because I just told you about two examples. But uh, 
moving forward, I think it's better to pass, man, because these judges are so incompetent. But you know, one cool thing, if you do have a five times account, is that they have these uh, no scorecard lines. And I know the limits are a little lower and stuff, but it's basically uh, what your guy has to do is not get finished <laughs> and uh, win inside the distance. And But if it goes to the judges, you're, you know, you don't lose the bet. It's like a push, basically. So it's kind of a little cool thing they got going over there at Five Dimes. So maybe uh, if you're listening, 5D, hook up that sponsorship. Now, next up, we got Christophe Jaco with the minus 165 favorite, and the comeback Brad Scott is plus 145. And, I mean, here's the thing, man. This kid, Jaco, you know, he's been improving in all of his fights. He's got a nice little game going on. He uh, transitions his striking to his takedowns effectively. He can clinch you up against the fence. He can, you know, he can win these decisions. And uh, he's a tough kid, you know. Against Bruno Santos, he had his back taken. He almost got choked out, and he fought through it. So, you know, he's overcome adversity inside the octagon. He's had a loss and come back and won again. So, I mean, I like this kid. I think that he could have one of those performances like Sean Strickland where he rises to the occasion and he shows up, you know, to his fullest potential and does a really good job. So, yeah, what do you think, man? I completely agree. I think this is going to be uh, Jacko's breakthrough performance in his career so far. Uh, Brad Scotty's a tough dude. He'll compete. But I think Jacko has a really nice, clean game, and I think he's going to figure it out this fight. I think he's going to put him away. Yeah, and, you know, with Brad Scott, the thing you got to look out for with him is obviously his toughness. This guy is durable as hell. You know, he went uh, three hard rounds with Robert Whitaker. The guy, he's tough to finish, but – at the same time, you can grind him out. You just got to look out for that left hook. You got to look out for that guillotine choke. But the thing is, in his fight against uh, Claudio Henrique da Silva, I don't, I'm not sure if it's a knock on his fight IQ the way he lost or if it's just that <laughs> Henrique da Silva is, you know, a little bit underrated because he also went out there and beat uh, Leon Edwards. So, you know, this Henrique guy, even though he, he never fights, he's uh, he's pretty damn good, man. He's pretty underrated with his jiu-jitsu. But back to this fight, you know – Brad Scott and uh, and Christoph Jocko. Yeah, so I do think that Jocko has the edge here in all areas, but I mean, he has to show up. He can't just, uh, you know, rest on his laurels here. He's that minus 165 favorite. I always tread cautiously around that area. So, you know, I'm probably going to pass here. What do you think, uh, Kyle Marley? Um, I'm probably going to pass as well, but I do like Jocko. I'm not a Brad Scott fan at all. Uh, I could see him getting cut. After this fight, uh, as soon as he loses, so minus 165, that's not too terrible. Maybe I'll take a stab at it after weigh-ins, but as of now, it's a pass, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, and to Brad Scott's defense, he came through as an underdog against Dylan Andrews in his last fight, but this isn't Dylan Andrews he's fighting. This is Christoph Jocko, and uh, where's he from, man? Is he he's like, from uh, Poland. Poland, okay. He's one of the brightest Polish prospects you know, around. You know, there's obviously Marcin Held who would be a contender if he was in the UFC or at least a, you know, uh, what, exciting fighter. Yeah, you know, top 15. But, uh, yeah, this kid's good too, so you definitely got to look out for Christoph Jocko. And then next up, Arnold Allen. This kid is really hyped up. He's minus 355. The comeback on Yao's and Meza is plus 295. And this is one of those situations where is this kid Arnold Allen going to live up to the hype that, you know, everyone's creating for him? He's 21 years old. He's just a kid, but at the same token, he has been rocked in fights and overcome. He's got a lot of heart. It's just a matter of now the skills got to catch up to the mental game because, I mean, the kid's mental fortitude, he's uh, 
wise beyond his years. Now, the thing with Yowzin Meza is if you're not prepared to fight this guy, he will beat you because he's a veteran in the game and uh, he knows how to win. But obviously, you know, he loses when he faces the elite or even the semi-elite. But uh, that, but that's the question here. Is Arnold Allen elite? Is he semi-elite? If he is, he can beat Yowzin Meza. If not, this is going to be uh, his first UFC setback. So, you know, at plus 290, I don't fall anyone for, you know, wanting to find out if Arnold Allen is the real deal. But in my opinion, I do think there's something special about him. So for that reason, I'm going to pass and just watch it. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like Arnold Allen, he's a young kid. Is he great in any specific area? Not really. He's crisp. He's got good chokes, but he's a young kid. But the thing is, to fade him, we could uh, be expecting a 10 times better fighter. He could have gotten way better since the last time we've seen him fight. Um, Yatsu Meza, he's a tough dude, but he's not very – he's a mid-tier fighter in the UFC. You know, he's hes tough, but uh, I just think Allen's going to be too much for him. What do you think, man? Uh, I agree, but minus 355, that is a little, a little steep against a veteran like Meza. So, I don't know. I might even, I might even uh, try – and uh, pick against Allen and Toutmaster just because of that price. But I don't know. We'll have to see after weigh-ins because he is a talented kid, and he should win this fight. But I don't know. That just seems a little bit high to me. Uh, but I'll keep you guys posted on Twitter for sure. Yeah, I completely agree, man. I mean, that was one of the bets that was under review. Like when we were looking at this card, we were like, all right, this is one of the spots that may be worth a look. But, you know, the kid, Allen – he finds a way to win, and uh, they're pushing him for a reason. But at the same time, if he's not ready, he will lose. But I, I think he's going to be ready, man. But we're going to have to find out, you know, watch the weigh-ins like you said, and take it from there. Now, next up, Scott Askham. He's minus 350. He's taking on Chris Dempsey, who's plus 290. And, man, Scott Askham <laughs> keeps getting these opportunities where he can clearly win these fights. He makes them too close. He gets put on his back. And he'll show flashes of brilliance when he's on his feet, but it's, you know, here and there. It's not consistent. He needs to find that consistency. He needs to make a statement here. I know he's capable of making the statement. I'll watch this guy's fights outside of the UFC. He's knocking dudes out with head kicks. He's going out there, and uh, he's explosive. But the thing is, man, in the UFC, it hasn't quite translated. He has to beat Chris Dempsey. He has to, man. But if he doesn't beat Chris Dempsey, he's going to get grinded out in this fight because that's what Dempsey likes to do. He likes to grind these guys out. But, I mean, Dempsey's been knocked out two times, maybe three times in the UFC already. I know that Ilir and uh, Jonathan Williams, is that his name? Jonathan Wilson. Wilson. Jonathan Wilson knocked him out in Nashville. And, uh, yeah, man, so, you know, every time you get knocked out, obviously it gets easier to get knocked out again. So I think they're trying to give Askham the opportunity to get back in the win column. It's a question of will he, you know, take full advantage of that opportunity, and are you willing to play that? You know, because the last two times I played him, he fucking lost for me. You know, and they were very close fights that could have gone his way. But that's what we were talking about when we're trying to make adjustments, when we're trying to become better at this game. You know, you gotta take into consideration what your hit rate is with a 50-50 fight. So. I got to go back and look at what my rate is. And, I mean, this is definitely a 50-50 fight. I mean, just in terms of, you know, if Scott Askham doesn't knock him out, he could get grinded out. But he should knock him out because 
he's way better than this guy. And I mean, it doesn't get, I mean, I don't want to talk shit, but it doesn't get that much worse than Chris Dempsey at this current point. I mean, I agree. I mean, it, you have to play ask him just in the fact that Chris Dempsey has looked terrible in his UFC career. I mean, he beat a, a slow uh, guy that cut a lot of weight in Eddie Gordon, but I mean, he doesn't move his head. He just walks forward. He's slow. He's stiff. I mean, Ask him has to light him up. I mean, I just don't see how you can't play it. I mean, what has Chris Dempsey shown you in the UFC besides that he could possibly outwork him if Ask him didn't show up? But I mean, you have to pick him in top match. You have to. Oh, yeah. I think you have to bet on him. But uh, I could totally understand him because I mean, what if he doesn't show up? I mean, last week we saw we saw uh, Jonathan Webb. Webb. I mean, to a, lose to a guy like Nate Coy, who's looked terrible in his last three, four fights, but. He showed up that night. So, I mean, I'm playing Ask Him, but uh, I understand if you don't. I mean, here's the thing. Like, obviously, I'm picking Ask Him and Fantasy, Tau Master, all that stuff. The thing is that, you know, Chris Dempsey's one win is a bullshit split decision. Ask Him's two losses in the UFC are bullshit split decisions. Like, am I trying to play that game again? Because, you know, after the first time it happened with Seddenblad, where he front kicks him in the face and could have knocked him out, but then gets grinded out. I'm like, all right, you know, he's going to come back. He's going to learn from his mistakes. And then uh, Jocko does his thing. It's another close split decision where Askham could have won, but he just he fucked up. But Dempsey is worse, in my opinion, than Sedenblad and Jocko. And no offense. I mean, this shit's cold and ruthless, as our boy Connor likes to say. But, uh, yeah, man, that's what I think about that. What do you think, man? I mean, is Askham going to knock him out? Yeah, yeah, I think it will. Uh, um, I think Dempsey is the worst fighter in the UFC, actually. I said Brad Scott was bad earlier, but Dempsey is terrible. The only reason he's in the UFC is because he beat the worst Eddie Gordon I've ever seen. That was the stiffest fighter I've ever seen in the octagon that night. Uh, and I, I'm ashamed to say I had money on him that night against Dempsey, and I lost. Um, but... I think the the minus three fifty fade is almost worth it in this one because I think Dempsey's that bad, and as soon as he loses this, he's gonna have to find himself a new job. Yeah, man, and you know he is uh, <laughs> dropping back to middleweight, and you know obviously when you have chin issues and you drop weight classes, historically speaking, it doesn't go well. So I mean, they're really giving Askham this opportunity. So I really hope he grasps it and takes full advantage and knocks out Chris Dempsey. So. We'll have to see. Don't get grinded out, man. All right? So next up, uh, this one's going to be good, bro. We got Marlon Chito Vera. He's plus 160. And Davey Grant, the man who hasn't been out, who hasn't been inside the octagon in two years, is minus 125. And, uh, you know, this is what I know about Marlon Chito Vera. This kid's 21 or 22. He's got two kids. I mean, the kid's mature beyond his years. He's from Ecuador. He's the first Ecuadorian fighter in UFC history. He speaks perfect English. I mean, and he's improving every single time he, he fights inside the octagon. I see something special with this kid because, you know, he has a lot of pride in what he does. He wants to be the best because not only is he the first Ecuadorian fighter in UFC history, but, I mean, his daughter has this syndrome where her muscles and her mouth don't move, so she can't smile. So he's driven every fucking day to be able to pay for that surgery. And, I mean, I just feel like you can't take that away from this dude. And uh, so on Tough, he goes out there. I was listening to this podcast with our friends earlier, and they were saying shit like, 
oh, this guy didn't even get to the finals of tough, like acting like he lost or something. Dude, he didn't fucking lose. He he couldn't continue because he had a skin condition. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He goes out there against Henry Brionis, the guy that I bet Cody Garbrandt inside the distance to beat Henry Brionis, and Cody Garbrandt couldn't do that shit. But my boy Marlon Chito Vera knocks Henry Brionis out stiff. So, uh, you know, he does that. He comes into the UFC. He fights a Mexican in Mexico and loses a very bullshit split uh, decision in the UFC's first ever trip to Mexico. So, I mean, you know, I'm going to take a knock on the athletic commission on that one. And then his next fight in Nashville, we were there, bro. You know, uh, people, if you, if you haven't watched that fight recently, you might think he was getting grinded out. But I rewatched it last night, dude. He was not getting grinded out. What would happen was Roman Salazar would try to take him down. And Chito would uh, he would show these glimpses that he's really good with his sweeps. He would attack with submissions, and then he'd get put on his back for a little bit. It gets stood back up. He'd light Roman Salazar up on the feet, and then the second round he got taken down again, and he caught him in a triangle. So I think this kid's good everywhere. And as far as Davy Grant's concerned, you know, if you look at his last win, it's against a guy that's like five and thirty-five, and uh, you know, his last fight was two years against. Two years ago, against Chris Holdsworth, who has who also hasn't fought in forever, uh, you know I like Davy Grant. He's a nice guy, but Marlon Chito Vera is going to finish him. And I took it was plus one seventy five when it opened. I hit the opener there, so I got one unit so far on Chito Vera. Might add more after the weigh-ins. Yeah, I mean I agree. I mean I generally always uh, bet against dudes coming off a what is it two year layoff? Uh, more probably more. Um, I mean, uh, I just think Vera's more hungrier. He's more fight-ready. Grant's going to be experiencing ring rust most likely, going to be not at his best. He's a tough dude. Uh, he had some good fights in the uh, to get into the tough house. But, I mean, at plus 160, I feel like you got to take the shot against a dude coming off a two-year layoff. Yeah, and not only is it taking a shot, at plus money against a guy coming off a two-year layoff, but it's taking a shot on a kid that's really promising, a kid that you know is going to show up, you know is super hungry and motivated, you know he's not messing around in the gym. This isn't one of these guys that goes to McDonald's, you know, after training, after uh, his training session. He's not cutting any corners. He means business. So, you know, uh, if Davy Grant beats him, God bless him. What do you think, Kyle Marley? I agree with both of you guys. I think uh, I'm going to have to take a stab at the, uh, well, plus 160 now. Nice job at the opener. Um, I don't know. If it was even, maybe I would pick Grant. But even if it was even odds, I don't know. I might even still be on Vera in this one. Two-year layoff. Uh-huh. You know, uh, at minus 185, that's a little much for me. So, Master, I will be on Vera probably – one-unit bet, but I don't have anything yet. Yeah, man, I don't blame you. I mean, I, I do think that this kid is special, and, you know, it's going to take a while to develop that talent, but he's determined. He's motivated to get better. It, it, it's not a singular focus like a guy like Cub Swanson where, you know, if you stand and bang with Cub Swanson, you're taking a risk, but Cub Swanson's not going to take you down. Cub Swanson's not going to submit you, you know, whereas with Cheeto Vera, you got to look out for the spin kicks. You got to look out for the hands. You got to look out for his jujitsu off his back. I mean, and the fact that he's going for all those things this early in his career and he's only 22, I think as he strengthens those areas, 
he's just going to be uh, making statements left and right. So he's going to make a statement this uh, Saturday afternoon in London. Now, uh, next up, oh, man, we got another hype train. We got Makwan Amir Khani, Mr. Finland. <laughs> he's uh, minus 185. I'm back on Mike Wilkinson is plus 160. And, man, these two have been talking tons of shit to each other. They don't like each other. There's, you know, uh, Makwan Amir Khani, he left All-Stars. You know, they're, we're not going to talk about the reason – on air but if you know the reason you know it's some fucked up shit but uh you know i think he made the right decision he's going to sbg now and you know i've also heard some other ramblings that at sbg because in the past if you recall maquan did call out connor i hear that they're kind of green lighting him if you don't know what that means they're uh they're he's the guy they're they're you know they're sparring hard with and taking care of in the gym you know every single day and I'm not sure how much info they're re they're revealing to him, but at the same time, that could be total bullshit, and he could be just getting way better. So we'll have to see. Now, as far as his performances on the regional scene, I was not impressed with this guy whatsoever. I mean, the fights were just like not impressive. I mean, you know, he was losing the guys that weren't that good. He was barely beating guys that weren't that good. But then in the UFC, he comes in there and just starches the two opponents he has. You know, he uh, knocks out Andy Ogle in eight seconds and uh, chokes out Masio Fullen in the first round. So, you know, Mike Wilkinson, this guy's pretty damn tough. Uh, even though he never fights, he's pretty damn tough. You know, in his last fight against Nicholas Backstrom, he messed this dude up badly, like badly to the point where in the post-fight interview, you know, so Dan Hardy's interviewing uh, Mike Wilkinson, and then uh, – Nicholas Backstrom comes in there and he's like, what the fuck is going on or some shit? Like, I forgot exactly what he said, but he, he interrupted the post-fight interview because he was so fucked up. He didn't understand what happened. He got, he got laid out stiff, like a career-ending knockout. And uh, so that's what Mike Wilkinson brings to the table. He can deliver career-ending knockouts. Now, the thing with Mike Panamirkani, we know he wants to take this to the ground. We know he's a wrestler. He's a grinder. He's adding submissions to his game. Now he's training with John Kavanaugh, so he's got to be getting better with his ground game. Uh, I don't think that you know he's doing the movement coach shit or anything like that. I don't think that Connor's letting him in on that, but I do think he's getting some good work in with a couple of the guys there at SBG. So I don't know, man. I mean, is Mr. Finland the real deal? Because I feel like if Wilkinson stuffs a couple takedowns and puts the hands on him, you know, he could get this upset. I like – it's totally playable, but it's a question of is Mr. Finland the real deal that everyone says he is and says he could be? You know, is he really that that future uh, champion or top ten guy? You know, I don't see it personally, but everyone's acting like it's the case. But Wilkinson has that one-punch power that can just, you know, change people's careers, man. So that's what I think about that. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely not betting on Michael, uh, on Americani. Um, if I was going to touch this fight, it would definitely be Wilkinson just by, like you said earlier, uh, Americani's previous UFC fights, it was not impressive. Um, he would get taken down by lesser fighters. Uh, Wilkinson's a tough dude, not great anywhere, but decent everywhere. He hits pretty fucking hard. Um, I could definitely see myself playing Wilkinson, but I want to see uh, the way and see how he, you know, looking him in the eyes. I want to see if uh, the hot, if you get 
you know, like when you can sense the hype in a fighter. Um, but uh, yeah, but I want to uh, wait just to. Yeah, man. What do you think about this, Towmaster? Oh man, you know I, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, really, aside from Connor, who at that that camp is gonna throw to scrubs that Connor's training with. Um, so I don't think anyone's gonna hurt him too bad over there, even if he is just a body. Uh, however, I don't know, man. Mike Wilkinson, he's good too. He's he's tougher. If anyone's getting knocked out in this fight, it's Americani. Um, so if he can avoid that takedown, stay away from the submission, then maybe he can knock him out. But I don't know, man. I'm I'm I don't even have a pick on this one right now. I'm gonna have to watch some film on this, and maybe I'll take a stab at Wilkinson. Uh, we'll have to see. Right now, I would be leaning towards Wilkinson and Topmaster, so I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I'm actually leaning towards Wilkinson too, but you know the layoff kind of concerns me. But at the same time, he's a really mentally strong guy, and that goes a long way with these guys that take long layoffs. You know, Showtime Pettis, uh, even though recently is a different story, but back when he won the title, he was coming off like a you know eight to twelve month layoff, and he still got the job done in the first round. So. It can happen. It's not, you know, beyond the realm of possibility. Now, uh, next up, man. Oh, here we go. If I was Brazilian, I would call this man Brad Pickich. And we got Brad Pickett, who's plus 158, and Francisco Cisco Rivera, who's minus 180. And, uh, you know, Francisco Rivera is fun to watch, but as a betting man, he pisses me off. You know, I, I have money on him and plus money against Takeya Mizugaki. I mean, like, when, when you when you talk about that fight on paper, like uh, Mizugaki versus Rivera, and Rivera's the dog at plus 200, I mean, isn't it like the obvious choice to go for Rivera? Like, Isn't that like the perfect spot to bet him? And then he, and it's like, you know, he's got the edge on the feet. He's got good takedown defense, this and that. He gets dropped twice by Mizugaki, and then he gets grinded out. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And then since that point, he just he, he's one of these guys that finds a way to lose you know he could knock you out yeah he, he's got good knockout power you know I'm not denying that you can't deny that the numbers speak for them spell for themselves but with that being said you know finding a way out also speaks for itself and uh, you know that fight against Faber yeah he got poked in the eye but I mean it, certain guys would have you know circled out and been like hey hey ref like stop it but for him he just you know it, if you got that quit in you, you got that quit in you. You know, it is what it is. Against John Lineker, I mean, he had the worst possible game plan. He he looked for the door, and he found the door. So, I mean, it is what it is. And here against Brad Pickett, let's put it like this. I usually fade Brad Pickett. I know he's at the end of his career. But the thing with him is that in his last fight, he really showed up. You know, I talked about how when I bet on Francisco Rivera, he gets dropped twice and all this bullshit against Mizugaki, when I bet against Brad Pickett, against Thomas Almeida, who I've said on record many times is going to be a future world champion, Brad Pickett goes out there and drops Thomas Almeida two times. So if we can drop Thomas Almeida two times, we can drop Francisco Rivera. Now someone's going to be like, who's we? <laughs> but when I'm, I'm talking about Team Pickett right here because we're going to take him as that plus 175 dog as he was when he opened. So, I mean, I just think that uh, – in the pocket, you know, as long as we don't get tagged with a big shot, we can knock him out. I think we can take him down. I think we can tap him out. So I got Brad Pickett for the upset here. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to be playing Pickett as well. It's definitely going to be a nerve-wracking, crazy fight. Um, they're definitely going to plant their feet and slug this one out. Um, you got to play Pickett in the fact just that if he did fight smart, he could take him down and grind this out because uh, Cisco off his back is not very good, and he is known to tap very easily. Um, his chin, he gets dropped a lot. But um, so does uh, Francisco Rivera. Francisco, like, he wins fights where it's just back and forth. He gets rocked. The other guy gets rocked. And that's what the fight that Pickett's going to give him, man. I'm willing to take my chances with Brad. I think um, he has the option to fight smart in this fight if he uh, if he chooses to. And uh, he has more ways to win. So I got Brad. He definitely has more ways to win. Here's the thing. It's about showing up and about not being too old you know, being able to take that punch. But at the same time, I don't think Cisco Rivera is the killer that everyone else thinks he is. I know he can knock people out. He's got that power. But, I mean, the guy is also really susceptible to getting knocked out himself. He's He'll tap quick, like yeah. you said. Like, it's just that if these two are in a gunfight, I'm willing to take my chances with Pickett because Pickett will never – if Pickett gets hit, he's not going to go out on himself. He's going to get knocked out cold. Whereas Cisco, when he gets hit, he – wants to look for the door so and not only that but the only time he's ever been knocked out cold was by the future champion 21 and 0 with 20 finishes tomas almeida now top master i know you're going with cisco so i mean why are you going with this flake bro uh man he's a i think he's a better fighter than pickett is right now uh i think if pickett wants to stand with him he's getting knocked out again for the second time in eight months um I think his only chance is to tap him out, but I don't think he's even going to get it there. Uh, I think Rivera will keep it on the feet and knock out Pickett. I don't know when, but I do think Pickett will be sleeping at the end of this fight. Uh, bad fight to come back with after that brutal knockout uh, against a power puncher like Rivera. I think he's getting tagged, and I think he's getting tagged hard. Uh, and I already have a bet, one unit on Rivera and uh, the Russian, Kabilov, I believe I have one unit at plus 114. Uh, so that's my first bet of the night. So one of us is losing a unit. So <laughs> we have to tune in Saturday afternoon only on Fight Pass to find out who loses that unit. Now next up, man, we got Keita Nakamura, who's a plus 750 dog, and he's taking on Tom Breeze, who's minus 1165. And uh, – Holy shit, man. When you talk about those minus 1165 favorites, I mean, you got to ask yourself, why is he minus 1165? And the reason is, is that, you know, this kid's been astronomically improving. You know, you watch his fights on the regional scene and he was mostly choking dudes out. He comes to the UFC and he's knocking dudes out. You know, he takes care of uh, Luis Dutra. I, I haven't heard back from Luis Dutra since that point. You know, he hasn't returned any of my phone calls. I, I think that, uh, Tom Breeze might have buried him in the desert, you know. So, uh, and then he goes out there against Cahal Pendred, and you know people like to downplay that knockout because you know people have this thing against Cahal Pendred. But if you look at the numbers, I mean, it, you're lucky to even win a fucking decision against Cahal Pendred. You know what I mean? Let alone knock this guy out in the first round. And Tom Breeze knocked him out in a way that sent him into retirement. So, yeah, man. I, I listen. I, I know that some people are taking the shot on Nakamura. You, you guys know I love taking shots on dogs, but uh, I'm not playing him in this spot, man. I think that uh, Breeze is going to finish him and probably in the first round. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, on paper, Breeze should be able to take care of Nakamura fairly easily. Um, I'd assume Breeze inside the distance would be a good parlay leg. Um, I mean, I I have to, like, I, I feel like putting money on Nakamura just because, but, I mean, Breeze should be able to smoke him. Uh, dude's hands are serious. Uh, he's quick. He just seems like he's that next generation star. Nakamura's a good dude. I, bet. I had money on Lee Jing Leong against him, and he ruined my night. Uh, but I think I think uh, Breeze will get it back. Towel Master? Agreed. Uh, uh, the line's a little high, though, right now at 11.65. But, I mean, I think they're putting him in here just for that first-round KO to hype him up just a bit more in England. Uh, he is an up-and-coming prospect, so why not give him somebody he could beat um, everywhere, I think. Uh, I think the reason the line is so high, though, is because of that performance against Katal. It was just amazing stand-up performance, and everyone was blowing up Twitter about it. So that boosted his hype a little bit, boosted the oddsmakers' lines, boosted the public's opinions on him. Uh, so now it's to a point where I'm not touching it. I'm only worried about the underdog coming through if I choose Breeze and Toutmaster. So I'll be sweating it out for just that alone. No bet needed for me. Yeah, man. I, I just think he's going to go out there and make another statement. And, you know, a statement as a minus 1165 favorite. But, yeah, I think he's going to take care of business here. Now, next up, we have the co-main event of the evening, Gegard Mousasi. He's a minus 320 favorite. The comeback on Talis latest is plus 260. And, I mean, you know, this is uh, with uh, Gegard Mousasi. He's fought everyone. He's been in there. He's been around the block. He's been in there with Mark Hunt, Jacques Array. Uh, Machida, he's, he's literally been in there with everyone, OSP. And, uh, you know, in his last fight, man, he got starched badly. And it wasn't too long ago. So I don't know if he should be coming back, you know, that soon. And when you talk about latest, in my opinion, he's one of the most underrated middleweights around because people just remember him as the guy who, you know, flopped to his back for five rounds against Anderson Silva. But uh, he's actually a lot better than that. You know, he's been knocking guys out in the first round. He's training at Novo now. His stand-up is looking way better. And then, obviously, he's got the Jiu-Jitsu World Championship credentials to go behind it. So I think he can take down Musasi and possibly submit him. But I think he can grind out the decision. And I think he'll hold his own on the feet, too. You know, we got to watch out for that jab of Musasi. Just got to watch out for the crafty, you know, well, slick shit. Yeah, like that veteran slick fucking <laughs> finding a way to win exactly. shit that Musasi does. But at the same time, at the highest level, I'm not sure if it's because he's had so many fights, it's because he has all that mileage, or if because maybe he's just not that good. But I'm not going to say that because that's bullshit. He is that good. Musasi's a great fucking fighter. It's just that how many fights has he had, man? Like 45, like 65? Like K1. Dudes, like, fought. I, I swear, when you put all the different kind of fights he's had, you know, MMA, kickboxing, street fighting, this, that, you know, it's got to be over 100 fights, and that mileage wears on, and he's coming off a brutal knockout loss. And, you know, stylistically, the guys that have been able to beat him are guys that can take him down. And not only can Talis Latest take him down, he can hold his own on the feet. So when it opened at plus 295, I was like, okay, yeah, one unit on that, and currently – uh, what was it at currently? It's uh, plus 260. I'm cool with that too, man. So, yeah, I took that one unit shot 
on Talus Latest. Yeah, um, I love Gegard Musashi, but when the song came out, I was actually kind of shocked. Um, I mean, it kind of just, I feel like a lot of people forget that. I mean, Talos Latest, in my opinion, beat Bisping. I mean, it was a close fight for sure, but I thought he won the fight. Um, Talos Latest is very underrated. Like you said earlier, if you're going to beat Gegard, it's by taking him down. I just think the thing with Gegard is his performances, even prior, yeah, he beat Munoz impressively, but the Machida fight, I felt like he could have done more. I felt like he's just sticking to his jab and taking people down now, like what he tried to do versus Uriah, what he did versus Costa. I think he's, I don't want to say his game's stagnant, but I just feel yes. I just feel like his performance aren't his performances aren't getting any better. He's just I think he's just deteriorating as a fighter, and I think Talos isn't getting better. Even though Talos has been around the block, I think when it when it gets down to the gritty, that Talos might have more in here, and he's got a clear path to victory. Of course, Gegard could win a decision by outpointing him, but at that price, I have to take the shot on Talos. Kyle, as our boy Connor likes to say. Gegard's been maintaining. He's complacent. <laughs> he's he's still good though. He's still good. Um, sure, he got that knockout loss to Hall, but that was his first knockout loss. Um, and Hall is better than latest on the feet. Um, but you're right. Minus three twenty is a little high. I'm not betting that. Um, I mean, if a whole bunch of you guys jump on latest and bring that down to like minus 200 for me, I'll take a stab then. Uh, but right now, it's a pick at Musasi just because I want that free point on Tout Master. I, I'm not too worried about the 2.6 points latest might get because uh, uh, I just think Musasi's going to outwork him on the feet. Uh, I don't think this is going to hit the ground, I think he's going to stay standing. And just pick him apart on the feet. I don't think he finishes him. Uh, decision 30, 27, 29, 28. Uh, unanimous, Musasi. So with that being said, should someone take a shot on the points handicap for Talos Latest? Get a plus uh, three and a half in there? I don't hate that, actually. Uh, or, I mean, even I, don't, I also don't hate a judge's no scorecard on Musasi. What's that sitting at? That's not, probably what I would lean to. Oh, gosh. Never mind. That's, that's a little higher than the line. So, With Talis, all he's got to do to cash that points handicap is win one round and not get finished. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I don't know. I'm, I'm staying away completely just because really anything could happen in this fight. Uh, and they're both great vets. They've been fighting forever. You said Musasi has a ton of fights, but latest has 30 fights. Uh, professional as well. That's a lot in my eyes. Uh, but, however, I am going to take a stab at latest in DFS if you guys play that. He's pretty low priced, um, and I think he is worth that price just because I don't think he gets finished. So he's going to rack up some points as the fight goes along and uh, just stack him up with some better fighters. Yeah, and you did mention how, you know, latest has had a lot of fights. You're 100% correct. But the, the fundamental difference here is that I feel like Latest is getting better, whereas Musasi has gotten complacent. You know, he's stagnating. He's maintaining. So at least that's what I've seen, man. I haven't really seen him. You know, I, when he came to the UFC, I was expecting this dude to 
you know, be that dark horse at middleweight and just uh, take care of business. But that hasn't been the case, man. So, you know, I, I'm taking the shot. You know, I've been very impressed with latest. You know, he was a guy that got cut from the UFC. And for some guys, when they get cut from the UFC, that's it. They go back to the regional scene. You know, they're cocky. They start getting knocked out on the regional scene. You know, and that's the end of their career with latest. You know, he put his nose to the grindstone. He makes his way back to the UFC. He's better than ever. He's added new skill sets, you know, to his arsenal. And he's just taking things to the next level. So you you factor in the price, where they are at their current careers. Musasi coming off the first ever knockout loss of his career. Because as we know, like with Chuck Liddell, you would never get knocked out. Then all of a sudden, he gets knocked out. Then it happens again. Then it happens again. So I'm not saying that latest is going to knock out Musasi, But I mean... If it happens, don't be too surprised, guys. So, you know, it, it happens to every great fighter. You know, I, I feel like we uh, we we don't humanize these guys enough. We immortalize them in a way. So if you start humanizing them and realizing the facts that once someone gets knocked out brutally, it, you know, it, it starts becoming a trend with them. And that tends to be the case. Sam Stout went his entire career without getting knocked out. Then he gets that knocked out that one time against KJ Noons, and it's like, holy shit, that just changed it forever. Then he gets knocked out against Ross Pearson. Then they give him a matchup in his retirement fight against Frankie Perez, a guy who has one career knockout, a guy who's known for you know taking people down and submitting them. And Frankie Perez knocks him out and looks like a K1 world champion in, you know, in under a minute. So that's just what happens. This is a very brutal and unforgiving game. And speaking of brutal and unforgiving, we got to talk about the main event of the evening because you know Anderson Silva, man – Man, you know, in this guy's prime, now, first of all, he's a minus 320 favorite. The comeback on Michael Bisping is plus 260. And, man, in Anderson Silva's prime, this was the greatest fighter of all time. He would do things that, you know, seem inhuman. You know, I thought this guy was like a superhero. Like, what he did against Forrest Griffin, I mean, how does – one doesn't simply do what Anderson Silva did against Forrest Griffin, what he did against Vitor Belfort, what he did against Chris Lieben, against Rich Franklin, against Dan Henderson. I mean, the guy just, you know, he was so phenomenal in his prime. He he was next level. He, he was a virtuoso. He did things that no one else did and took the sport to a new level. And at that point in time was the Michael Jordan of our sport. But as we were talking about, this sport is very brutal and unforgiving. And things change very fast. And you know, like we saw in that Forrest Griffin fight, he was avoiding all the shots that Forrest threw at him. You know, he was using that incredible uh, head movement. And then he fights Stefan Bonner. You know, first he takes that ass whooping by Chael. You know, a five-round ass whooping that no one brings up. That, that was a, you know, he took more shots in that fight than he's taken his entire career. I'll tell you that much right now. But, uh, you know, after that fight, he goes in there against Stefan Bonner. And, yeah, people do remember when he, you know, he backs up against the fence and lets Stefan Bonner tee off on him. But, you know, one thing that people fa uh, fail to bring up is that Anderson was getting tagged a lot there. He wasn't able to avoid those shots like he used to back in the day. Back in the day, you know, against Forrest, he avoided every single shot with his head movement. I think in the Bonner fight, we started to see, that, hey, you know, he still has that attitude but he was slowing down. And as we all know, as you get older, speed is the first thing to go. Power is the last thing to go. So he's still going to have power. But that speed, man, it's got to go. And the thing with uh, Anderson is he's one of these guys like Roy Jones Jr. where he relied on his speed. Obviously, he's very technical. But during his prime, he for sure 
relied on his speed. That's why he was able to do all that cocky shit that I find entertaining, you know, where he puts his hands down, he clowns you, he makes you look like a fucking idiot. That's because he's so damn fast. But now he's 41 years old, so he's not that fast. He can't do that shit anymore. It's been proven he can't do that anymore. Now, the thing is, in that Nick Diaz fight, Nick Diaz could have won. It was a lot closer than people expected. People thought Diaz was going to get starched, and that didn't happen at all. Uh, Diaz actually clowned Silva a little bit, but, uh, you know, Diaz isn't known for throwing head kicks. He's not known for mixing in takedowns. He's known just for his boxing and his jiu-jitsu. Bisbing can actually mix it up. The thing with Bisbing is we got to worry about getting caught if we're taking that chance on Bisbing. But in my opinion, if he doesn't get caught, I think there's a chance he can outwork him. He can, you know, pump that jab, you know, run around the ring, you know, make the crowd boo. I'm down with that if we're going to win that decision, you know, take him down to the ground, grind it out. But at the same time, as a fan, it would be cool to see that vintage Anderson Silva performance where he goes out there and makes him look like an absolute fool. But this sport is brutal, and I think those days are long gone. So that's why I am going to take that one-unit shot on the underdog. Uh, yeah, I mean, you made some good points. Um, this fight's really tough. Um, like you said, Anderson could be old. He could be, he could have been on, I don't want to accuse him of anything, but he could have been on substances his whole career. Brazilian help. <laughs> um, who knows? But um, this being is definitely, it. it's a justified play. Um he just has the tendency to choke in these big moments in his career. I mean, if you look in his career, he's choked in every big moment, the Chael fight, the Henderson fight, um, Luke, Luke Rockhold. Um, he just he hasn't gotten over that hump to get to that title shot. Um, this basically is the title fight for him. Um, Bisping is probably faster, more agile at this point in his career, but Anderson just has a way of still looking pretty enough to edge out decisions like he did against Nick, how he edged, slightly edged out every round. Um, I know Bisping wants this, but it's just the guy's track record. If he can't finish him, um, he doesn't have the best history with decisions. Um, he's been getting... Uh, he doesn't it, have the best history against guys that have failed performance ex enhancing tests. Exactly. Um, I mean, I respect Bisping. I mean, the dude's done it the correct way his whole career. Didn't cheat. Uh, did it the right way. Comes to fights, got to heart. Fight, he's got heart. We've seen him get dropped, come back. But it's just like in big moments, he finds a way to lose. But, I mean, I don't shame anyone for betting on him. Anderson could be done. Um, but he's still, he's still Anderson. It's like so hard to pick against him but um i don't even know who i'm picking yet but i'm leaning towards Anderson. what do you think kyle marley uh, i know exactly who i'm picking and it is the goat i mean anderson silva my uh he's killed me when i was young because uh forrest was my favorite fighter growing up and then seeing him get dismantled the way he did just tore my world up and uh, same with Rich Franklin, both times. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't watch any of those fights for a long time because of Anderson Silva. Uh, so I just grew to become a fan of his. Uh, and man, the guy was just so talented. He is getting old, so that's that's the only reason the line is as close as it is. I mean, it's really not close, but it's closer than it would have been five years ago. Um, I am taking Anderson. I have him in a in a parlay with Conor McGregor, the new goat. Uh, and I think I got that at minus 126 right at the opening odds for Connor. 
now I wouldn't recommend it just because Connor's so much higher up. Now I think he's, you know, minus 420 or so. No pun intended to Diaz. Uh, but you got to go with Silva in this one. I mean, Dan, you're picking Bisping, but what would you say his best win is in the UFC? I mean, he's fought a ton in the UFC, but what do you think is his best win? I'd say – maybe Or his, latest? His best wins are latest, Belcher, Stan, Kung Lee, and uh, C.B. Dalloway. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um I think Silva just has his way with all those guys, uh, even now, even now, and when those guys were their age back when they fought Bisping. Um, so I just don't see how Bisping gets this. I mean, maybe he can do a whole lot of footwork, jab him up, uh, keep moving, and somehow pick up a decision. But I'm thinking he does get caught with something that Anderson Silva throws at him. Um, and if not, I mean – you do, you do got the whole judges factor that it being in London, so maybe uh, the, the plus money on Bisping is worth that. Uh, but I, I just think he gets finished by Silva somehow, some way within five rounds. I think Silva finishes Bisping. But I can't wait to see it, though. I'm, uh, I'm excited for the return. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I mean, it's literally just a shot because it's one of those bets where, like, I wouldn't be pissed if I lost because – I, I'd imagine Anderson would finish him in spectacular fashion if he does finish him. But the thing is, if he doesn't finish him, it's gonna things are gonna get interesting. You know, if, it, it, here's the thing: in that Nick fight, I felt like Bisming could have beat that Anderson, and that Anderson, you know, as we know, it's a year later since then, and certain things have changed. So, you know, I'm expecting a step down from that performance. And that performance wasn't the guy that was in the Matrix that we all look up to, the guy that we fucking idolize as kids, you know? So it, it's just uh, this sport is very unforgiving and very brutal. So we're going to have to see. But at the same time, it could be very uh, brutal for Bisbing. You know, he could get caught with something. He could look like a total fool. But I could. the thing is that we know what to expect from Bisbing. We don't know what to expect from Silva. I know what to expect from Bisbing. I know that he's not going to, you know, not fight. I know that he's going to try his best to win this fight. That's what I'm, you know, I don't want to say banking on, but I, I can give him that. With certain guys, like Pettis, for example, when you bet on Pettis, you don't know if he's going to show up. You know that if he shows up to the best of his abilities, he's one of the best in the world, and he can put anyone out. With Bisbing, you know he's always going to show up. It's just a matter of if it is his opponent better than him or not. So my question is, is Anderson Silva at 41 years old with that brutal knockout loss, you know, his aura being completely gone, his leg being shattered, Marcos from Thailand with all that factored in and 41 years old and Bisbing being plus 260, is it worth a shot? So that's where I'm going with that. Now, as far as uh, what we got to talk about next, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So. First up, fighter to watch. Excuse me, the fight to watch. What, what do you think is the fight to watch on this card, man? Fight to watch is definitely uh, Cisco Rivera versus Brad Pickett, or the main event. Uh, yeah, I guess I go with uh, Cisco and Pickett for excitement level. Um, Not yet. Who you who you got for uh, the the fight to watch? Got to go with the main event in this one. Uh, just, I mean, like you said, the unknowns, the 
40 years old, broken leg. Uh, we haven't even mentioned Bisping's one eye. I mean, there's just so many factors in this fight that we really are just guessing on, but I'm just kind of playing the past in my mind. I don't know. I'm going with what I've seen, um, not what I, what we could see kind of thing, uh, but all those factors make this fight even more interesting to me. The return of Silva, the fight Bisping's been wanting forever. To me, this is Bisping's title fight. He knows he's not going to win that title, uh, but this would have been his title years ago. So I think he's looking at this as the mountain he's been climbing his whole career. Uh, everything makes it a little bit more interesting. Can't wait for that main event. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. I'm going to go uh, low on the prelims. I'm going to pick uh, Norman Park versus Rustam Habilov. I mean, it's the fourth fight of the night, and it's a pretty damn good fourth fight of the night. You know, you got – I want to see if Habilov's the real deal. And, you know, I mean, he's been hyped. He has a win over George Masvidal. He, he was beating Benson Henderson. He would have won if it was a three-round fight. Unfortunately, he uh, got choked out in that fourth round. I want to see if he rises to the occasion here and gets that win. So that is, uh, you know, my fight to watch. Now, who's your fighter to watch? Um, I'm going to go with uh, Tyler Slatis. I think uh, he's going to get the upset. Yeah. What about you, Kyle? Uh, I got two. Uh, Tom Breeze, just because of the, the line he's at, is he going to live up to that? I'm uh, – I'm excited to see. And then Arnold Allen, I am excited to see if the hype is real on this kid against a veteran like Meza. Um, those are my fighters Fighters to watch. And my fighter to watch is Marlon Chito Vera. I think that, you know, this kid's going to make a statement. He's super hungry, like I mentioned earlier on the show. I think that, you know, he's, he's one of these guys that is going to be good in every area of the game because – he doesn't have a singular focus. He taps guys out on the ground. He knocks guys out standing. He's even knocked dudes out off his back with up kicks. I mean, the guy, I feel like he shows these little flashes. He's just a little bit raw and a little bit green. But I don't think that's going to matter here against Davey Grant. I think he's going to rise to the occasion, cash that plus 175. So Marlon Chito Vera is my fighter to watch for UFC London. Now, I want to thank you guys so much for joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle. You know, follow you, the MMA Genius, at MMA Genius 05. Follow the Top Master at Big Marley 3. Follow me at Best Fight Fix. Go to bestfightfix.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, YouTube, and SoundCloud. And until the next time, thank you guys very much, and good luck with the fights.